Welcome to Hometown Daily, Season 2, Episode 228, for August 16th, 2023. Tonight we're going to be discussing alternative meats against climate change, enriching glitches at Irish banks, dystopia has never been so profitable, another scan of your brain by Pink Floyd, spot the fake $10 bill, you suck at hiding, says leaf-tailed gecko, wood dust, this week in microplastics, Go home, raccoon, you're drunk. Robotic coffee startup filters $350,000. A new PSA, dehumidifier recall due to setting you on fire. LTT bumbles its way into controversy. The itty-bitty 16-button controller. And maybe some more right here on Hometown Daily. Hello again, everybody. I am Marwat. That is hometown.com. And up there is the AI from on high that keeps me in check. You want to say hello, oh great one? Good evening, hometown citizens. Yay. The visualizer is working still. I don't know. There was some glitch in the matrix that made me have to reset that thing all the time, but apparently not anymore. A reboot and a whole bunch of rejiggering of all of the settings because Microsoft. Um, But other than that, I think everything is good to go. Uh, Did I? Well, yeah. I no longer say the title because I don't know what it's actually ultimately going to be. But um, I have a feeling that we're going to be talking about these drunk raccoons. (laughs) (laughs) Let's... uh, Let's get into the show. The first article for today is over in the Hatch Ideas channel. Southwest Asia turns to alternative meats. I don't know if this is like alternative facts, but consumable. Uh, Alternative meats as fight against climate change ramps up. And the snippet, the, the, the aggregated bit of information is to limit global warming the region must lower production of animal proteins and shift to plant-based cultivated and other alternative sources by 2030 it sounds so i'm not sure what those alternative sources are well that's what's interesting about this because when you start looking at it well it's it's mostly plant-based and lab-based grown lab grown meats right um and and vegetable proteins you know moving away from animals which i have no problem with uh, except for the ones that have been provided so far to me have been they they taste like cardboard or spackle or uh pretty much anything it, accept something that to me is consumable i mean i've i've had a lot of meat replacement stuff uh it it just doesn't work for me um before we get into it too much though cnbc.com is the source uh nishka chandran is the author of this article and it says by 2060 alternative proteins around southeast asia and other asia pacific nations will need to account for more than half of protein production, according to a new report from Asia Research Engagement. Quote, 
If nations prioritize the manufacturing and development of alternative proteins, the climate payoff could be colossal. Said, uh, I guess, I think their name might be Mirta Gosker, um, managing director of the Good Food Institute, APAC. And uh, finally, however, customers will be determining factor in the sector's growth based on taste and price points. And they have this great picture. It's a Getty image um, from Angela Weiss. Um, and it's shelf, it's several shelves in a grocer of like fake meats. What are looks like veggie hot dogs and and things along those lines. Plant based beyond burger patties and and uh, uh, bratwurst kind of things, but not bratwurst because it's beyond sausage. So fake meat, um, and um, a bunch of other things. And I've had quite a few of these things in my time because I would like to get away from consuming animals. I, it's just I know that <laughs> we're largely omnivores, right? So humans are largely omnivores. If we were only plant eaters, then we would have only teeth and a digestive system that was capable of only plants but we <laughs> we cognitively decide okay we're going to stop eating animals right it's not something biologically that we do um and i i have no i i think the biggest hurdle is not just the taste but the presentation so a lot of people are trying to mimic what is a meat-based product and i think that culturally we have to move away from that and just have good taste and just food. make good food right hey. exactly well and the weird thing is i would suspect that people that are actually seeking out alternatives to meat don't necessarily want or need it to taste like meat but maybe that's to try to appeal to a larger group yeah i i suspect that wow did y'all see that um I suspect that it's all about marketing and, and trying to get people to buy into it. Um, but I, I just don't think, I think that's a losing battle because you're never going to get, at least in my regard, there's something texturally different. There's something, and the people that I've spoken to who are like, you should try this. You know, I've seen stuff on YouTube. I've seen stuff in person. I've tried recipes in person. Um, and you can, you can make yourself believe anything. <laughs> um, so I, I just don't buy into trying to make it seem like something else. Um, so I guess we'll end up seeing what ends up happening, but I would love for lab grown, uh, meats, true meats, but lab grown. So no, nothing is harmed. It sounds so dystopian. It sounds so creepy. Um, but as long as it is identical, you know, what does it really matter? It's more controlled. It might actually be more healthy. Um, it's less damaging to the environment. It's not harming any animals. Um, you have to get over the hump though, that it's, uh, living. But if you can drink something that has a thing called a SCOBY floating across the top of it, you should pretty much be able to eat something from a Petri dish because that's what it is. 
But your premise is that people can drink that and not everybody can. <laughs> True. But you eat cheese and it's mold. True. You know? Um, right. It's all about and how it's marketed and thought of, I suppose. Yeah. People love lobster and they're bottom feeding uh, ocean cockroaches. Right, but they're like a luxury food, so now they are. Work, (laughs) right? Yeah, they used to be thrown out because they were junk, right? But now, oh, lobster. Um, Same thing with crabs and whatnot. You know, uh, oysters. We just got done talking about oysters the other day. They literally filter junk out of the water to make it clean, and then we gobble them. Great for the water, but may not be great for eating. But then we gobble them up. Right, right. So it says, while this is a global issue, it's particularly important for Asian countries because the continent supplies more than half the world's animal proteins, including land animals and seafood, are uh, said in its report, A-R-E. So, and that's the Asia Research Engagement, the A-R-E. As populations increase, unless there's some paradigm shift away from populations increasing in the ratio of production to uh, food production to uh, population, we're going to be running into a problem anyway. So I I think density wise, we can grow crops vertically using lights in uh, warehouses, Um, but you can't get more land without taking it from somewhere and you can't uh, raise more animals without the a massive imbalance in the amount of energy being put into the animals compared to what you get out on the other side we rely a hell of a lot on the sun and the sun is starting to (laughs) treat us a little different um, along with the rest of the climate you know Um, so i think that we've got a rocky road ahead of us Uh, i'm not a doom and gloom scroller you know on the internet i'm not a prepper um i don't think it's the end of the world Uh, i think you know politics are more dangerous to us than the climate at this point because we still have the ability to pivot but we need to pay attention to it Um, but meanwhile you know we're still arguing about (laughs) politics that's right hey um the daily election is not yet updated oh you're kidding uh let me grab something and see we'll do it live folks we will do it live um let me look yeah it should be yeah it is on my it side. updated now it's good okay um, sorry about that, folks. Anyway, let's get on uh, with the rest of our show. Um, the next article is over in Omtown Daily. Police resorted to guarding ATMs in Ireland after a glitch at the country's biggest bank let some people take out over $1,000 of cash they didn't have. Okay, so this is in the running for the longest title for an article. Um, <laughs> but it is Business Insider and they have a knack for that. Uh, Pete Sim, I think, is their last name. And uh, basically, there was a software glitch uh, that allowed people to remove over $1,000 from their 
uh, accounts, even if they didn't have that amount. Um, but how did that, you know, how does that transaction really occur? Because if you have an account, you normally have some idea how much money is in there. So do you, does that mean that every time you go up to the ATM, you try to withdraw more? Did they know about the glitch? Like that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Well, some, well, I don't know about what the limit ended up being detected as a thousand ninety. Um, but perhaps somebody sat there and <laughs> withdrew, withdrew, withdrew until they hit a limit. Um, but it, I thought you were going to go down the line where I went down. It says, uh, it led to huge lines at ATMs and police were called to keep crowds under control and guard cash points. Why didn't so, they close the ATM? They should have shut down the damn ATMs and made people come inside um, and fill out paperwork and be able to vet and audit, you know? Um, but that's not what happened. But Well, I mean, banks are understaffed. So you know how people would get pissed off because they have to slow down. Um, what's interesting about this is <laughs> it's not their money. Well, right. So did they guard so that people could take out an extra thousand or like, I, or well, the police aren't, that? the police aren't sitting there going, well, you don't have a thousand dollars. They're not the exactly. bank teller. So, so aren't they, they kind of like aiding and abetting. <laughs> they, instead of just shutting it down and they could have done that remotely, they let it go. Uh, but I don't know for how long. So let's see. While the uh, glitch at Bank of Ireland's app allowed people with no money to transfer up to 500 euros, people at the ATMs could take out 1,000 euros. Quote, we sincerely apologize for the disruption this outage caused. We know it, uh, we fell far below the standards our customers expect from us. My problem is, no, your customers actually fell far short from the social contract. <laughs> uh, exactly. I mean, Why they would were... you transfer money that you didn't have to another account? So here's the kicker for this. Even though they took the money out, right? Let's say they took the money out. It would have made their account negative a thousand. They have to pay themselves back now. Exactly. So hopefully they didn't actually spend it. You know, some of it's been spent. So this is going to be an interesting exercise. So I'm not sure... You know, it it has to have been tracked. They know exactly how much was withdrawn. Well, they know exactly who logged into the ATM or whatever. I mean, they probably had to put an account number or something in. So uh, everybody, yeah, all, all of these people who took money out are now going to have a negative balance because and those negative balances end up doing fines, penalties within the, the system. So. Exactly. Yeah, there some people are in deep doo doo. <laughs> That's a technical term. Let's go on to the next. Uh, the next article is over in Hometown Daily. A tiny studio apartment in New York City without a kitchen sink is on the rental market for $2,500 per month. No one said it was ideal. So, a New York City apartment. <laughs> That's an understatement. Yeah. So, and let's be precise and accurate, a tiny New York City apartment without a sink is available to rent for $2,495 per month, the realtor confirmed. Um, 
Wait, isn't realtor a trademark term for? It is. Yeah, so uh -oh. that's a real estate agent confirmed to insider, unless they are actually part of. But uh, then they didn't mark it correctly. Yeah, it needs to be capitalized. Um, and and trademark. have the little R next to it with the yeah. circle. That what? So New York sales and rentals, which has the username at rent New York on TikTok with over 742,000 followers showed a video tour of the studio apartment in August. Okay. So everybody loves a train wreck. Everybody loves looking at somebody else's world. I swear it's amazing. Um, and, and it's kind of a mishmash of, oh my God, I'm so glad my life isn't like that. And oh my God, I wish my life was like that. It really depends on right it depends on what the thing is and what the person's situation is compared to what they're looking at uh, i was in an all-day meeting today all-day meeting today um, different people but all day right and at one point uh, we were talking about um, diversity equity and inclusion and i said and this was audible gas, right? When I said this, I said, one person's freedom fighter is another person's terrorist and people lost their mind. And, uh, and, and it was a good thing because people understood that when they heard it, they were like, Oh my God. Um, and that's what kind of this is, you know, you're getting a tour of an apartment for $2,500 and it doesn't have a kitchen sink. It's so tiny that you have to go outside to change your mind to you as a consumer or as a homeowner or as a renter with an actual kitchen and bathroom and shower all in the same facility. And you don't have to go through a neighbor's house to get to, you know, an outhouse. Um, a tour of this is like, Oh my God, thank you so much that I don't have to do that. So let's take a look. Because they always, uh, Business Insider always has these great photos and, and part of the tour of uh, going through businessinsider.com uh, is seeing this stuff. I mean, it's a great site. So Michaela Friel is the author of this article over at businessinsider.com. And it's a tiny home, but it doesn't even have a kitchen sink. It has a window, but no kitchen sink. Is that the whole apartment? Yeah. It is like a tiny home because of the loft. I mean, it absolutely screams tiny home. Uh, the tenant would have to use the sink in the bathroom, the realtor added in the video. This should not be legal. <laughs> no. And what this is reminding me of is the... Um, the balcony for sale <laughs> like maybe it, maybe the solution is to get all of these parts and then together you'll have all the parts you need for an actual living space yeah you just have to you know one place has a sink one place has a balcony <laughs> one place has a bedroom yeah and you have to go to london to use your balcony hey would you like to there's a portal right on the wall and exactly. it just blips you to your <laughs> The open plan apartment. <sighs> no, it's a okay, storage come facility. Come on, that's a bit much. Yeah. Has a kitchen, a living area, built-in storage units, and a ladder that leads to an area where you could fit a twin-sized mattress. The unnamed realtor said in the video. <laughs> there you go. 
the cord for the air conditioner is plugged into one of the two outlets in the kitchenette. I guess it's the it's a it's a small okay. And this is the best I've ever seen at under 125 square feet, the realtor added. No one said it's ideal, but if you sleep up here, you actually have a living space down there, they said, referencing the upstairs. It's not upstairs, it's up ladder area. <laughs> they say referencing the upstairs ladder area. No, it's the up ladder living area. But it's actually I'm not a, sure there's really an upstairs per se. <laughs> it's an it's an up area or up ladder uh, storage facility, cum uh, twin mattress. Uh, I mean, so you're really gonna have to like rinse off your produce in your bathroom sink, Come on. <laughs> and then or store what? it where? This this little well, tiny right. refrigerator. Is there a, there's no. Is that a refrigerator I, or a cabinet? I've never like seen a, it. I think it's like a um, counter space. I don't even I've, think it has a cabinet in it. Maybe right there is a refrigerator. Where's a refrigerator? That's I've never seen a triangular refrigerator, but maybe that's a triangular refrigerator. I don't think it's a refrigerator. I think it's missing a fridge too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. You have to have ice delivered to an ice chest. You know, one of those big old heavy wooden ones. And how does... Sorry. <laughs> does it have an oven? Yeah. That right there. It so where a... does... Maybe that goes to the outside, but... Where does it vent? Know. That just seems like all kind of safety regulation violation to me. But... Oh, yeah. You cook a cheeseburger and gas yourself every time. I don't know where it vents. I assume it vents out. <laughs> uh, more in-depth tour. The sink throws off everything, the caption reads. They, do, they don't show the bathroom. The average rental price for a studio in Manhattan was $3,278 or $4,443 for a one-bed apartment. The data shows the average two-bedroom is $6,084 in July, and a three-bedroom is $11,000. I'm rounding up, but $10,673. Oh, <laughs> uh, good God. That is really insane. So just to pay your rent for a three-bedroom apartment in New York, it says Manhattan, so this is in Manhattan. You would have to have an extra $130,000 just to pay rent for a three-bedroom. And that's deceptive, right? Because a three-bedroom in New York is probably smaller than like a one-bedroom somewhere else. Oh, yeah. It's like 650 square feet. <laughs> and doesn't have some key element like a sink. Yeah. You must, you have to really love city, like big city living, um, and make a ton of cash. Um, in all of this. Yeah. I mean, if you're living in a penthouse or something, you don't necessarily care about the rental prices. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I swear the prices are high because work from home isn't a fully embraced thing because you could work in New York but from home 
anywhere else, <laughs> you know, and just telework. Right. Um, but we're still hung up on butt in seat type of concepts, you know, this so regressive mentality of having to be there in person uh, because we can't quite get over the hump that if you're not there and present, then you're, if you're not there, you're not there, you know, uh, you're invisible politically. And so people are like, well, who is this person? You know, I, I never have seen this person. Exactly. Um, I don't remember if we put it in one of the shows, but there was an article in hometown about an intern that actually flew to the city once a month or whatever to complete the internship because that was cheaper than cheaper. actually renting. And I think it was New York. Yeah, it was New York. Yeah, pretty amazing, huh? <laughs> Um, let's see. I did, uh, two of the three articles into the chat. So here's the third one, folks. You can follow the link. Um, I've also posted, um, yesterday's and the day before's, um, podcast. I, I flaked, um, and was distracted by, I got into a new beta and I'm kind of, I got distracted and forgot to post a couple of things. Anyway, let's keep on hustling through the news. Uh, the very the the next article is over in Technology Today. Scientists recreate an iconic Pink Floyd song by scanning listeners' brains. We've had similar articles, but this is something a little bit different. So I'm going to go straight over to Engadget. Uh, the research looked at how brains interact with music. Um, the way that it works is they basically monitored the brain as it was listening to music. The people were in surgery. Um, the 29 participants had pharmacoresistant epilepsy and intracranial grids or strips of electrodes, which had been surgically implanted to aid in their treatment. The researchers utilized those electrodes to record activity across a multiple auditory region of the individual's brains that process aspects of music like lyrics and harmony while the participants actively listened to another brick in the wall part one the entirety of the recordings took place at albany medical center in upstate new york they used ai to analyze um, the words and sounds the participants heard and then translated that into what was detected by the brain and retranslated it back into music. Okay. This is like a, a monumental leap, I think. So what I find very interesting about this is that we have the potential let me go back to the source there. Um, we have the potential. Now, the, we have a serious problem here, and there's an ethical dilemma. But if there is a person that is non-communicative in, let's say, a vegetative state, right? They're in a coma. They haven't come out of the coma. You could implant this grid, communicate with them, and maybe be able to discern a conscious response from a comatose patient. 
Wow, I hadn't thought of that application. I mean, that would be spectacular because I don't think there's any real way to communicate, right? They use things like, okay, somebody moved their finger or their eye twitched or something. And but, they use um, uh, 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 EKGs. They monitor the brain activity to see if there's anything going on there, but it might be uh, suppressed, reduced to a level where having a, a direct in-brain um, monitor is going to be more effective than an EKG, you know, dermal um, sensor having to translate through all of that. The activity might just be really low. Or there are people that are um, incapable of speech and they can't write, etc., etc. You know, there, there's just people that have been in traumatic events that may not be able to speak, write, move, etc. Um, quality of life is is a huge thing, but I just find it really fascinating. This actually goes to another point where I have always been fascinated with polygraph machines. This could, while you're talking to somebody, it could uh, listen in on the subconscious thoughts of somebody that is listening to music or hearing your words and they respond mentally and not audibly, not written, you know, not in some overt way, but they respond subconsciously and the brain actually fires off these thoughts and it can be picked up by something like that. That would be amazing. Obviously right, this is, I guess this has tons of applications. Yeah. The final product was quite muffled, but the song is clear to anyone listening. So you can check it out for yourself. The researchers are also confident that they can increase its quality with future attempts. Naturally, they can increase the fidelity of this thing. Um, and there is somewhere, there is a sample of this, um, but, uh, I, I don't know if it's here or. Um, another source. Um, I, I don't know if it's at Engadget, but um, yeah, the, the actual recording is somewhere. It might be in uh, PLOS uh, biology where the study was. Um, but y'all can follow the link through Omtown and, and um, unless, you know what? I don't know. Maybe I can, maybe I'll just see if it's there. Uh, sure. Mm, they don't have it in here. Let me see. Yeah, they don't have it in this. Um, but it's a little messy. Um, so I, I just don't have the, the link to it. Maybe we can follow up tomorrow and, um, we can talk about it there. Pretty cool. That's very cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to be following this. Oh, I'm really sorry. I don't know if I said the name of the person that put this article together. The article's over at Engadget.com. Sarah Fielding is the author. Um, I normally provide the source at the beginning of the article, not as we're exiting. But there you go. Um, thanks, Engadget. 
So over on Gnometown Daily, can you spot the fake $10 bill? Uh, that was aggregated from Newsweek. Um, you click the link and you'll get taken over to Newsweek.com. And um, let's, uh, let's, let's see. Can we... I'm going to refresh this and see if the video... Oh, brother. So basically two bills were handed to somebody um i think it was uh, a tip two bills as change paid for a meal with a 50 dollars bill received two 10 dollars bills as change when they went to put the bills in the wallet they noticed one was shorter than the other this caused me to look more uh, closely upon further inspection he discovered a lot of differences between the two bills and alerted the wait uh the waiting staff so one of these is counterfeit can you tell me which one is counterfeit? Now, I spotted the difference immediately. Um, and looking at it, they said that there was a multitude of differences, but I don't know what they are. I don't see the differences. I just, I see one major glitch in the matrix. So if you're listening via the podcast, the AI is analyzing these two uh, $10 bills. Um, and they they have to observe it through my video feed, just like everybody else who's watching this in chat or over on YouTube. Um, but I'm going to give a chance to the AI to which one do you think is fake top one or the bottom one? I think the top one is the fake one. Hey, guess what? You're right. Um, so for me, it looks taller and longer. Um, now, the taller aspect of it may not be true because it's an optical illusion that that shorter one, um, that the shorter bill may look like it's thicker because of that. Um, and I didn't measure anything, but it looks... It doesn't look like a $10 bill would look. Um, and it's a little bit shorter. And I know that the $10 bill is, you know, X shape. Um, and, and so it looks a little weird to me. Um, I don't know what the other differences are, but they returned the bill to the pub uh, where they turned in the picture or where they turned in the, the where they paid for their food and, and they got different change. I don't know what happened with the rest of it. Like, right. I see at least three differences. So what do but, you see? Because elements can change like well, signatures and. So I'm assuming all that's legitimate, but mints. or at least copy of legitimate. But right. so let me scroll back up. Characters. There's okay. characters on the left side of the legitimate bill that go vertically. Those? I don't know if that's a watermark or somebody That's added just writing. That. Somebody okay. wrote on it. Well, then that's irrelevant. But the yeah. coloring looks weird because if you look at the top one yeah, um, on the right seal or whatever it is, the yeah. top one. Yeah. Like yeah. It just looks kind of like, I don't know, blurry or something. Yeah, it looks a little washed out. It 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 doesn't it doesn't feel as vibrant. It like it's feels not as crisp blurry. Or whatever. Right, it, exactly. And then also the red 
watermark thing on the left side right. to me looks washed out on the top one but that yeah. could just be because of a bill fading or whatever yeah and that's what really keyed me into it other than the size um was that it seemed washed out and you, the united states of america logo was blurry and and like comic sans you know it was really chonky whereas right. the one on and the bottom no is crisp space on the 100 or i mean on the the middle of the 10 on the top one. Oh, up here on the bottom right bottom right right there oh yeah yeah so like the fidelity of this it's just like it's blurred together or something and to me that was that's copy degradation you know all of this looks more solid everything just kind of looks lower res the hair looks lower res everything just looks lower res so it could be a bad print you know but the size difference that's the problem so well right I, I found it really interesting so i wanted to talk about it and i actually have um i i've been pondering um offering up a potential solution for counterfeiting um because for somebody to counter if a counterfeit bill ends up in the system and it doesn't get detected by somebody then it can stay in the system until it goes to a bank where somebody might detect it um so it can stay like super notes can stay in existence for a considerable amount of time before they get detected and pulled out of the system um but uh i have an idea for a, another method and system for preventing counterfeiting but every time i think about it the adage that i talk about all the time comes to mind which is you build you build a better mousetrap and smarter mice show up um i'm i just expect somebody to the the country to spend billions of dollars retooling their financial system right, and then they they figure out another workaround and they just work around it yeah they figure yeah. out what it is that i've uh, put into and what i proposed was accepted by congress and put into effect because uh, I really do think that the idea is revolutionary, but I just, I, I don't want to talk about it uh, un, until I can suss out any other dilemma there. Um, but this, none of the, who, who would in their right mind, why sit there and just kind of pinch, you know, 5% of the <laughs> bill? <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, I don't understand counterfeiting because of course it's fraud, but... <laughs> Like if you're gonna go to that much trouble, because it looks generally like it, right. why wouldn't you make it the same size? Right. I think they say something else like um, it felt weird, um, and lighter than a real bill, and that's because it didn't. They don't have the right paper. The right paper is a certain weight and has linen. It, it is linen. It actually isn't just paper in the conventional sense. It's actually linen. Um, but there are super notes, typically hundred dollar bills that are, um, fifties, hundreds, um, that are flooding the market and, and are coming from, uh, foreign countries. Cause here in the States, if anybody was counterfeiting to any real amount they would be caught in, <laughs> in a heartbeat. Um, so anyway, let's keep on hustling through the news. Did I throw this into 
chat? No, I don't think I did. Okay, there you go, folks. Um, and be sure to go over to YouTube and uh, follow us there, like and subscribe, ring the bell, go over to the podcast. Oh, I need to do that. Don't forget to download the podcast and leave a five star review, and I'll uh, read your quote. <laughs> Um, or I'll read it as a quote, whatever your review is, good or bad, as long as it's, you know, not too off the wall, um, you know, doxing somebody or <laughs> making overt threats to storm the Capitol. Um, the, the next article is over in the mobile channel. New leaf tailed gecko from Madagascar is a master of disguise. So leaf-tailed geckos are masters of camouflage. Some species have skin flaps around their whole body and head, as well as flattened tails. During the day, they rest head down in tree trunks with their skin flaps spread out. That's what I do. Um, and uh, blend seamlessly into their surroundings, uh, making it nearly impossible to spot. I do that in my car when I'm resting in a parking lot somewhere I... Put my head down. I put my head down and spread out my skin flaps. <laughs> it all sounds gross. Anyway, <laughs> fizz.org is the source. University of Copenhagen is the uh, writer for this. Um, so they say when they first discovered the species in 2000, we already suspected we might have a new science, says Dr. Frank Glaw. Um, curator of herpetology at the Bavarian State Collection of Zoology, uh, lead author on the study, but it has taken us many years to amass enough information to confidently describe it as a new species. So there is the leaf-tailed gecko that says that they're good jumpers and often bring their hands and feet together when they jump. I want to just see. I guess they kind of oh, load I up. I see, like, they combine together. Yeah, and then <laughs> spring. And then they just go, gazelle. Um, if there is one critter out there that I really dig, it's geckos. And it's geckos have these neat little hands um, and feet, you know? And, like, most people refer to their hands and feet as all, like, legs and feet. But I think the front two are hands and the back two are feet. I don't know if I'm the only weirdo that does that, but um, <laughs> there you have it. That's probably anthropomorphization, I guess. Yeah, and uh, I guess I admire them because they can actually lick their eyeballs, um, which, try as I might, I can't do that. Anyway, let's play Spot the Gecko. Do you see it? The AI is analyzing this picture, throwing an error message. Maybe. I'm not sure. Where do you see it? I think it's to the right of your cursor. The whole branch is to the right of my no, cursor. No, 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 no. Oh, well. My cursor is moving over. Tell me when to stop. Down. Go down. Right there. No, it's right here. That's its nose. Oh. <laughs> That's its tail. It's laying all along oh, there. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's funny. Sorry, so. I have another cursor in front of me. So that one was actually very near where I was talking about. Yeah, so it has little little flaps and it lowers them down. 
And so it blends in with the tree. Pretty well, I would say. Pretty neat, huh? Yeah. So whole new species. Uh, I just, I, I love this. It's kind of like um, uh, praying mantis as well. The, the, the mantids, there's a whole broad spectrum of them. And some of them are just spectacular looking. Um, and I've always wanted one of the more exotic um, praying mantids. Uh, but I respect the insects too much to want to keep them trapped in a cage. Just go live your life. I'll admire you from afar. Um, but I certainly, I, I still, I'm, I desire having one of these, you know, just to sit there and, and admire it. Um, but again, it's nature. They're supposed to be out in the wild. I wish everybody would respect them enough and not hunt them down or wipe them out and whatever, you know, so that they would be there in perpetuity. But no, we can't have nice things because horrible bastards go out and do stuff like that. Let's go on. Uh, the next article is over in the mobile channel. Microplastic solution or pollution. This might be a solution. New device uses wood dust to trap up to 99.9% .9 of microplastics in water. Could plants be the answer to the looming threat of microplastic pollution? Scientists at UBC's Bioproducts Institute found that if you add tannins, natural plant compounds that make your mouth pucker if you bite into an unripe fruit, to a layer of wood dust, you can create a filter that traps virtually all microplastic particles present in water. Hey! Okay, this is good. This is actually pretty awesome. The only problem is you have to drink the water after you've pulled the, the microplastics out of it. But what about all of the animals where the water, the, the plastics have filtered into the water? This is just a, this is kind of like um, beating back a fire with a stick. You know, it's just not going to work. Um, but I admire this. This would be great if you want to build a, a filter out of this and then drink from that cup. But meanwhile, all of your food that you've been consuming has been gobbling up unfiltered microplastics. University of British Columbia. Now, I'm not poo-pooing this, folks. I'm saying that... This is underpowered. <laughs> um, it, it, is this going to scale? I don't think so. Um, and you filter out some water and then you have to go and get another filter. So is that filter biodegradable? And what do you do with all of the microplastics that it's filtered? Eh, we're kicking the can down the road. And leaving it for future generations to screw around with and find a real solution. Um, so while the experiment remains a lab set up at this stage, the team is convinced that the solution can be scaled up easily and inexpensively run once they find the right industry partner. Microplastics are tiny pieces of uh, plastic debris resulting from the breakdown of consumer products and industrial waste. Keeping them out of the water supply is a huge challenge, says Dr. Orlando Rojas. The Institute's scientific director and the uh, and the Canadian sorry and the Canada Excellence Research Chair in Forest Bioproducts. Am I the only one that sees this as 
really just kicking it the can down the road it's a filter which means it's not stopping the microplastics it's encapsulating them in something that's going to have to be dealt with you put enough of these and it's a super fun site i don't know i mean i think figuring out how to pull the plastics out is the first step okay um and so this does that okay but then it becomes a matter of which problem are we trying to solve and can we do it on the scale that would be necessary so the article says like is this tap water is this ocean water river water i mean go on and on and on the article says he noted one study which found that virtually all tap water is contaminated by microplastics and other research that states that more than 10 billion tons of mismanaged plastic waste will be dispersed in the environment by 2025. So only a couple of years away from that on the far side, right? 2025. Um, most solutions proposed so far are costly and difficult to scale up. We're proposing a solution that could potentially be scaled down for home use or scaled up for municipal uh, treatment systems. Our filter, unlike plastic filters, does not contribute to further pollution as it uses renewable and biodegradable materials. Really? What is the filter housed in? If it's going to be a home product, it has to be something that's portable, installable, consumable. And then when you maximize its absorption of microplastics, which it has to at some point, you have to dispose of it. Where does that filter go? Um, again, I'm not trying to poo poo this, but it's kicking the can down the road. The only solution is to remove plastic. You, you can't have it both ways. True. But if you remove plastic today, you're still going to have microplastics. Oh, for, for a thousand years, years and sure. years. So, but then yeah, you, you start do doing both. this. Yeah. You then now you can start doing the filtering. But then you have to figure out what what you do with these microplastics when you capture them. You have to incinerate them, which will be greenhouse gases. And I mean, that's the issue with a lot of these environmental cleanup methods is that there's something pulled out of the air, the water, etc. And then it's like, what do you do with that? It's still better, though, than it being in the air, water, etc. to begin with but it's still creating another issue that needs to be dealt with. Yeah. And to me, it, it smacks of just kicking it down the road. Um, because you're still letting more plastics enter the system because you've got arguably a solution, but this is a pricey solution because it's yet another step in policing what should be stopped. And we've talked about this with the chemistry of, um, like, uh, additives and protective uh, surfaces on metals and whatever else um, where we find out later that it's toxic and then they stop it but it's wholesale stop right here we're barely touching microplastics let alone going we need to do a full stop so now we've got a potential solution that could reverse the trend but we're still pumping more plastics into our water and food supplies um, faster than this thing could possibly. I mean, 
There's just no. Yeah, I don't know if this was installed in a municipality or a household. It could actually prevent a generation of people from uh, chronic illnesses, et cetera, that are associated with microplastics. So Except I for think the food. this is absolutely the step in the right direction, particularly since I don't think microplastics have gotten a lot of attention until recently. Right. So the fact that they already have a solution, even if it's not perfect, I think is, is good. Okay. I mean, I wouldn't think we'd have something to like 10 years from now. Right. Yeah, it's not this and in PFAS, you know, there's some idea that PFAS could actually be obliterated through basically a ball mill. Um, and this is encapsulating microplastics in a renewable filter. So maybe it's a one two punch of trying of, you know, actively solving two problems that could be impacting the environment as long as we get it out of the food supply then everything is that much better it's a neat idea we'll have to watch it and see um obviously this is just lab born right now but i i've there's organizations that i have worked around and with um, that take things from academia and move them into the commercial environment um and and act as kind of like a Kickstarter slash incubator facility. Um, and so maybe that's what's going to happen with this. Uh, they're talking about Canada Excellence Research Chair in Forest Bioproducts, working with, what is the name of the UBC's Bioproducts Bio Institute? And I thought that there was a company involved, but maybe it said I... they were looking for a company, I thought. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, when it's this simplistic, there's a multitude of ways to do this, which means that talking about it before getting a patent, um, and even with a patent, because there's a multitude of ways of doing it, you almost removed your strategic advantage. But um, we'll keep an eye on it and we'll talk about it because Marwat has a very... Um, anti-plastics paying attention to uh, microplastics and PFAS mentality and so I like to highlight products that might move the needle in this area I know that the AI is involved in this too so um, yeah we'll definitely be highlighting solutions like this as time goes on let's keep on hustling though uh, the next article is over in uh, uh, the order of the grape which is a, a, a channel and a show uh, that I would like to bring to Twitch that talks about wine. Um, this, though, is Beer Drunk Raccoons Terrorize Germany and Chaos Reigns. Drunk raccoons are terrorizing residences in Germany, according to a Tuesday report from The Telegraph that called the drunken animals a plague on the country. The already uninhabited, an uninhibited animals have been seen breaking into buildings, local buildings, and fueling up on food and booze, particularly beer. Maybe they're really small Germans. Um, and destroying property. Homeowners have reported thousands of euros worth of damage to their properties, as well as horrifying instances of raccoons eating their pets and fish. Oh my god. What okay, kind of... That's a whole nother level. 
The rising numbers of raccoons wreaking havoc on civilians is leading many residents to become frustrated with the situation. Let's just go over you know, to the source. I've always thought Aww. raccoons were trouble troublemakers, and yes, they are very cute. But that's maybe cute. this whole time they've been drunk, and that's <laughs> why they have the reputation that they have. <laughs> that's this is they're really cute. I don't I don't like them being <laughs> little trash pandas, right? That's what their name is. That is an adorable raccoon that they found for this that's, article. Yeah, that's a little baby one. It's from Unsplash.com. Gary Bendig is the photographer, I guess. Hannah Staub is the uh, author over at VinePair.com who put this article together. I, that's an adorable raccoon. Though. Um, so, And that's the nuts and bolts of this. So raccoons are considered native to North America and introduced to Germany in the early 1900s. Uh, I don't know about Why? introduced uh, uh, so much as... <laughs> Invaded, yeah, terrorized. <laughs> what is this Star Trek? There's a Star Trek, the trouble with tribbles. Basically, North America sent a tribble to Germany, and now all hell is breaking loose. Tribbles replicate really, really fast, but they basically are balls of fur. Um, and uh, they finally get rid of them from the Enterprise. And then at the very end of the show, they tele they um, teleport. Um, what you call it? Uh, they beam over a tribble as a gift to somebody, and obviously it turns into some. It's going to start replicating. Um, so, as the invasive species continuously causes serious damage, many are calling for a population control effort. Uh, including Germany's National Hunting Association. So tipsy raccoons raising hell all over Germany, folks. You know what that means. Can't go to Germany. Otherwise, you're going to get terrorized by raccoons. They might steal your beer. They might steal your beer. Oktoberfest has never looked so cute. Let's keep going. We got a few more articles to go. Um... The next article is over in Technology Today. Robotic coffee startup Artly raises more than $340,000 using crowdfund crowdfunding, crowdfunding platform Start Engine. Uh, the Artly robotic barista makes a coffee drink at the GeekWire Summit in Seattle. This is a photo that we're going to see here in a minute. Um, Seattle-based coffee robot barista startup Artly, which... If you had to put that on the back of a jersey, right? You'd big have jersey. to be rather large to yeah. to display all of that. Big name plaque, you know. Anyway, started trending on Start Engine after it raised more than three hundred forty thousand dollars within just a week of launching an equity crowdfunding campaign at a one hundred million dollar valuation. Start Engine opens the door for non-accredited investors to buy equity in early stage startups. The company operates under laws introduced in 2016 that permit regulation crowd, regulation crowdfunding, a framework that gives small businesses and startups the opportunity to raise capital by selling shares of their company to the public. Um, Nate Beck over at geekwire.com put this article together. There's no deck statement. It's just robotic coffee startup artly raises more than $340,000 using crowd 
crowdfunding platform start engine. I apparently have a hard time saying using crowdfunding platform. Um, let's see. Uh, Meng Wang said Artley had, uh, was not actively fundraising when start engine contacted the company. He said seeing other food robotics startups raise cash via crowdfunding influenced the decision to launch the campaign. They said that uh, Artly's customers have expressed interest in investing, noting that the crowdfunding approach allows them to become early backers. He said Artly is especially drawn to crowdfunding due to its identity as a consumer-faced, consumer-focused tech startup. Um, weirdly enough, there's a distillery in Texas called Crowded Barrel that I think did stuff through crowdfunding on Kickstarter, I think. Um, I... But it's been such a long time, I don't recall it 100%. Maybe that's true. Um, I'll have to look and we'll talk about it tomorrow if it is or isn't. And I remember to talk about it. But it says if Artly is developing a product for the people, it makes sense to let the people be owners from the beginning as it is developed. The vision and commitment to serve the people align with crowdfunding's principles. The difference, though, between Kickstarter... Uh, and start engine is that you own equity with start engine. You don't even pause. I mean, you can treat Kickstarter as if it's a store and you don't get Jack. Um, same thing with other crowdfunding solutions. They have to make a good, honest attempt. Um, otherwise they can be held liable for basically defrauding the, uh, donation right. system but you might pledges. end up with like a product at the end of it but that's very different than um, a place like start engine yeah you're not getting equity you're not getting shares you're not getting ownership you're basically promoting goodwill that's about it um at kickstarter start engine whole different animal um, so the response from the existing venture capital investors to Artly's decision to go to the crowdfunding route has been mostly supportive despite some initial resistance due to the novelty of regulation crowdfunding. So the issue is that when you have a whole bunch of investors, um, the amount of ownership is diluted by that number of investors. But it's a ratio of uh, how much capital each investor has uh, injected into the enterprise. So you have pre-money and post-money valuation. Um, the idea that you're going to have 1,000 shareholders, <laughs> each owning 100 shares, means that depending on how many shares are in play versus how many are reserved for the company, that what ends up happening is those shares that haven't been released yet are the only real uh, capitalization uh, function later on because every time you release more shares, it dilutes the value of all of the other shares that are already out there. Unless you have different classes of shares, class A shares, class B shares. So um, at some point, Investors are going to go, well, we want 15%, but there isn't going to be 15% left <laughs> um, because the various stakeholders, or I should say stockholders, um, make up such a large portion that 15% doesn't exist. They would have to make an offer to buy back from the shareholders 
stocks that are outstanding um, so that they can grab them, pull them back into the company as a stock buyback, and then release it to the new owners or new buyers, investors, etc. So equity crowdfunding got a, off to a sluggish start. However, it's gained momentum with Start Engine alone reporting more than $189 million raised on its platform in 2022. Artly joins a growing crop of consumer-facing Seattle entrepreneurs that have tried their hand at equity crowdfunding over the last year. Women-led, distil- women-led distillery company American Made Amaro um, landed nearly $140,000 in September. Jane Park's sustainable gift wrap company Talkie nabbed nearly $200,000 in November. And eco-focused real estate developer Green Canopy Node snagged more than $169,000 in uh, earlier this year. Okay, so a bit of context about this. This pales in comparison to funding rounds by a venture capital uh, company or even an angel investor. Um, Based on the valuation of these companies, if these companies are valued at this one is, they're talking about a $100 million valuation, $10 million. What did they say this was? Yeah, $100 million valuation. And they got $340,000. Yeah, Venture capital wise, that's nothing. Um, but it's enough to give them a little bit more of a runway and ride the wave. the way to venture capital infusion or things like that. Yeah, as long as the VCs buy into it um, and they have no problem with a large diluted stock um, array of owners because everybody that owns stock is an owner and they're demanding equity. So, you know, that's how you end up with distributions of profits. Um, Seems neat. Um, I love the idea of robotic coffee making because I can get my coffee exactly how I want it every time. Always like that. Typically networked around the world. Not like the SNL skit when you're ordering your coffee. <laughs> the, the, what what was the name of it? <laughs> I don't remember exactly, but where it was way off from the actual name. Where it kept on messing up the name, right? And then you, you could buy a subordinate piece that would talk to the the primary piece. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Man, this woman's crazy. <laughs> I remember the end of that. She says she she didn't order this. Oh, man. Anyway, now I got to go watch that SNL skit. That's hilarious. Okay, let's keep going. The next article is over in the Mobile Channel. This is our PSA for today. 1.5 million dehumidifiers recalled over fire risk. Just jump right on over to the source. Uh, George Stockberger is the author uh, of the article at The Hill. Uh, If you have a dehumidifier, it might set you on fire. Um, According to the Consumer Product Safety Commission, the recall impacts 42 models of dehumidifiers with the brand names Kenmore GE Solus Air Norpole and Seabreeze. They were manufactured between January 2011 and 20 and February 2014. Approximately 1.56 million units impacted. The CPSC says that 
There have been 688 incidents of overheating and $168,000 in property damage connected to the dehumidifiers. Again, whenever we've talked about this, I've always brought up, sometimes it's five. This time it's 688 before they made the connection. Well, and it's also from more than a decade ago. I just, I don't get it. I really don't get it. So you'll have to follow the link. You know what? Wait a minute. The last thing that I do is microplastics. So let me throw these three articles into the chat. You can follow the links from Twitch uh, or the show notes, wherever you are seeing them. Um, Because we're over on YouTube as well. Um, But there are the links. They'll be in the VOD for the next 60 days, and I'll add show notes tomorrow. Um, But uh, I'm not going to go through all of these articles, (laughs) all of these serial numbers. Uh, I mean, it just (laughs) goes for a while. So, yeah, um, quite a few. It's interesting because it's multiple brands, which is a little unusual. Same parts, same manufacturers, I guess. I mean, uh, a different... I suppose so. You know, they're produced by the same X, Y, and Z facility, but then they're distributed under various brand names. So I suppose if it's the same heating coil that decides to short out and set something ablaze, there you go. Um, So... Yeah, I, I won't even be able to go through all of this. Look at that. It's pretty wild. Um, they were sold at Home Depot, Lowe's, Menards, uh, Sam's Club, Sears, Walmart, and other stores nationwide. So just to drop a couple of names there. They should immediately stop using the dehumidifiers, unplug them, and contact Gree. And there's a link there to receive a refund. Those who contact the manufacturer will be signed up for a wait list and will be contacted in six to eight weeks with information on how to register for the recall. I would probably just contact them and get a refund. Uh, right. I guess Gree is Gree the global.gree. I don't know what that is. What is Gree? Does it say that somewhere up here? I don't think so. You know what? We'll do it live. Let's see what Gree is. I don't normally do this, but it seems like I'm doing it more often. <laughs> uh, oh, it's a like a heating and AC system. Maybe it's a the manufacturer. Company? It has oh, to be okay. the manufacturer. Gree is committed to the safety of its customers. <laughs> so I guess they're the ones that did it. Fascinating. Huh. It's a Chinese uh, manufacturer. Got it. Well, there you go, folks. Okay, let's keep on going. Um, This next one is probably going to draw the ire of quite a few people, but um, I have this titled as LTT bumbles its way into controversy. Um, And frankly, I have like issues with LTT um, only because I I feel like... um, there's a they just kind of seem to be bumbleish, you know um and then they pulled great gamers nexus into this discussion um because gamers ne- nexus decided to um <sighs> we don't have any context yet what yeah okay about? so here let me let me ju- i'm sorry um so linus tech tips 
pauses production as controversy swirls. This is over in hometown daily. Um, Linus Sebastian of, uh, Linus media group, uh, YouTube empire is currently in crisis with accusations of theft, lapses of ethics, and most recently allegations of sexual harassment. The company has currently paused all production to improve its review processes and CEO Taryn Tong tells the verge an outside investigator will be hired to examine the harassment allegations. Um, and so over the last, I don't know how long, um, there has been some talk about, um, things being rushed. Um, then, uh, a heating element or sorry, a, a cooling element. Um, what would have been like a water block, a copper, solid copper water block, um, was sent to Linus tech tips so that they could test it and they, uh, installing it incorrectly and and performing tests on it incorrectly so the completely wrong context um they did it wrong they said that it was junk then they didn't send it back and they auctioned it off and it was the prototype that they had agreed would be sent back to billet um so alex kranz over at the verge writes about this art this situation um says in a video posted this morning titled uh what do we do now? Linus Media Group CFO Yvonne Ho announced the entire channel was pausing production for the next week to address the issues raised by the YouTube channel Gamers Nexus about errors in videos and concerning ethical practices. I agree with the community, Ho said. Uh, in the video, I'm putting my foot down effective immediately. All YouTube production is on pause. It's basically because Linus, uh, the, the owner, but not CEO, he stepped down. Um, I, I don't think that he, yeah, he's not the CEO anymore. Um, he recently stepped down, but there's a lot of like, there's, there's certain shows that I really don't like watching. And it's typically the ones that sit there are, and brag about how big they are and how badass they are. There's this one that does a lot of tables and resin pours and stuff like that. And they always brag about the cost. It's a $50,000 table, a $100,000 table. It's a, a $150,000 table for this movie star. And I'm like, dude, I don't give one shit about the price of it. I want to see how cool it looks. I want to see if it's $150,000 or $50,000 or $5, I'm not buying a table from you necessarily. You know, it, but if I fall in love with the work, I might buy the table, whatever the price might be. Um, but I, I hate it when people sit there and they drop numbers as if that's supposed to impress a lot of people And numbers, by the way, are very, uh, subjective because when you deal with, yeah, uh, contracts for millions of dollars, somebody dropping my enterprise is worth a hundred million dollars doesn't mean shit because there's always somebody bigger, better, better, faster, stronger. This dude's been around on YouTube since the dawning of YouTube. And I've always felt like he comes across as kind of cocksure, um, narcissistic kind of a thing, you know, um, and, and just kind of self-important. Um, and, I don't, I, I actually watch them on Twitch. 
I watch his stuff on YouTube from time to time. Um, but I don't really get anything out of it. I get a ton out of gamers nexus because I know that their stuff is highly focused on the stats, on the value, on the benefit to the consumer. Their quality control is remarkable for, from what I have seen. Um, and, and then you hear certain things like, but again, like when I see, when I watch, uh, gamers nexus and several others um they seem to have their shit together whereas well, when i watch come across as like authentic and just relaying whatever the information is like yeah. it's not about them yeah um and and ltt every time i see ltt it's kind of bumbling their way through something and, it, and they make a joke out of their mistakes instead of going, oh, shit, I did something way wrong. Let me correct this. It's not really funny. One of the things, they, there's a little snippet of it that popped up. And I remember this happening. Um, and then I saw a snippet during this whole thing. And it was, and this is just kind of community drama, right? Um, but linus put a memory stick in wrong and broke it broke the motherboard or the mount or something i can't remember at the at the moment um and i know from experience that people have been fired from building from companies that are building computers because they put in the memory wrong and broke a 600 dollars motherboard um and but it was just laughed off you know ha 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 we're a hundred million dollar company not a big deal um but you know if i was the ceo i would have lost my shit because not only is is somebody doing it wrong they're doing it wrong publicly and then they're not even uh yeah. owning up to the mistake or treating it like it actually matters it's a serious thing yeah um Hey, you know, draw attention to it. Maybe they drew attention to it because I don't remember it. It's been a while. Um, but anyway, um, so I totally dig um, Gamers Nexus. Uh, they definitely deserve, at least in my opinion, much more attention um, for the professionalism and for the information that they provide in a, a, a well-regulated manner. You know, it's not just haphazard goofiness. Um, they might have a B-roll at gamers nexus of that haphazard goofiness um where they're having fun and when they make a mistake they correct the mistake and then say hey don't forget if you do it wrong you'll end up like this and then they flash over to the b-roll where somebody makes a mistake but they're serious about it while still having a, a modicum of fun um so i i don't know um yeah, Steve Burke, I think, uh, <laughs> I think he's pretty awesome, at least from my perspective, but I'm on the outside looking in, um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. The, one of the things that really drives me absolutely crazy about this is that they auctioned off a piece of equipment from a company called Billet, um, and then they'll settle it with, with Billet, but it was their one good prototype. So they were a startup, a couple of people trying to spin up a water cooling solution and sent it to Linus Tech Tips for testing. 
and they shit on it and then and then instead of going hey we did it wrong we're sorry we'll retest um they leaned into it it wasn't a good solution and it wouldn't have been a good solution even if we tested it right you know that kind of thing um so i, I don't know i i didn't have a good perception of them to begin with um because i thought that it was just a bunch of bros hanging not even bros you know just a bunch of people just hanging out um and it just this pulled back the layer of the onion um because i'm sure that there are people out there that paid attention to this um i know that he has thousands of people that watch him on twitch um and uh i guess i kind of watch it from time to time because i'm curious about what might be going on in the industry that i might have missed um but nothing really not to mention other products. There's always this hype about buying merch, buying merch, buying merch, buying merch. Um, but I could give a shit about merch. <laughs> so anyway, Linus Tech Tips uh, pauses production as controversy swirls. You can follow the link um, over to Omtown, and then that will take you to The Verge. Um, all roads lead to Omtown. Uh, but let's let's move on. We have one more article. Uh, this one will be fun, and I want this product, but I want a lot of 8-bit do. I think that's how you pronounce it, 8-bit do. Um, stuffed 16 buttons into its hand-crampingly small microcontroller. This is over at Internet, uh, not Internet, Technology Today. Um, measuring a mere 72 by 40.7 by 14.1 millimeters, or just... Over half the length of an original NES controller, the 8-bit Do Micro is a spiritual successor to the company's Zero line of similarly minuscule gamepads. It also hurts their hands just to look at it, according to the snippet that we aggregate. Um, so it pairs via Bluetooth with the Nintendo Switch, Raspberry Pi, Android. The wee little thing weighs 24.8 grams. This is all a you know, quote verbatim from the snippet that they provide. Um, includes a mode switching button and supports button mapping via 8-bit do ultimate software. I want it for the PC, but it says via Bluetooth with the Nintendo Switch, Android, and Raspberry Pi, but it doesn't say PC. But Bluetooth I is pretty... I suspect that's intentional. I mean, you'd think that'd be listed there. Yeah, that's the kind of thing that kind of that spooks me. But I want a really small controller... Um, just so I can sit there because I've got a, a, a pretty big <laughs> setup here, <laughs> not to, I'm not trying to flex, but I want somebody, I want to be able to have somebody come over and I have this tiny little controller like, cause yeah, you're like this. <laughs> so here, let's, I'll show you the controller here. Um, so this is over at Engadget. Um, <laughs> That would be ridiculous with the display. The oh, you mean my display, my my rig? Or, yes. Yeah. So the deck statement here is: arthritis can be yours for twenty five bucks. And there's the little controller. I love this thing. I mean, it's cute, but that doesn't look very enjoyable to actually use. Not long term, but you know, it does the job. Um. It definitely does not say PC, um, but maybe it does a, a different. I mean, it has USB-C for crying out loud. 
I just, I don't know. It, however, it works in wired mode via USB-C. Which is shocking, by the way, because a lot of companies still haven't adopted USB-C. I'm looking at you, Apple. Um, the iPhone still doesn't have USB-C. What the hell? Um, so I have to have all of these extra lightning cables because you derps won't switch over to USB-C. So the controller skips analog sticks in favor of a lone D-pad. It includes four standard action buttons, A, B, X, Y, face buttons, minus... Uh, plus, star, and checkered flag, and shoulder bumpers and triggers. The latter is one way it differs from 8-bit to 0-2. 8-bit do, I don't know, they have this uh, a lock on tiny things, um, and there's something else that we talked about recently from 8-bit do, and I don't remember what it is, um, but go over to Amazon and just do a search for 8-bit do, and you're going to find, I think, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, 8-bit do. Um, and not dough. Anyway, see, there it goes. It can work in keyboard mode, which opens up some compatibility with macOS, Windows, iOS, and you can assign shortcuts to use it as a remote control for tasks like photo and video editing. Come on, this has to. It has to be PC compatible. Anyway, 25 bucks. There you go. That's very cute. Doesn't look very practical. I want, I want to see some military general driving an M1 Abrams battle tank using that. I mean, that would be something. Or a destroyer, you know? Um, or I want to open up a cockpit uh, from an airplane, you know? I want to be going in to sit down. Obviously, I get packed in the storage, but because um, I can't afford a regular seat on an airplane nowadays. But I want to be able to look inside the cabin of a of a plane, and the person is flying with that tiny little. I mean, that would be pretty good. That definitely seems like a scene from Airplane, though. I'm I'm easily amused. Anyway, eight bit do micro. Spiritual successor to the company's Zero line of similarly minuscule game pads. So I'm going to go over and I'll consider getting one of these just to test it. I have little... Uh, coming tomorrow, I'm going to have these four um, programmable... Actually, it's not four. It's two four-button mechanical keypads with two knobs. Um, so that I can control certain things from these four little buttons. Um, because I got two different computers hooked up to a bunch of monitors. And I want to be able to control stuff faster. And even the the stream deck and other things have lag. Um, and so uh, like certain things like a switch and a keyboard uh, operates faster than th these other devices. So anyway... Um, Pretty neat. That's it. I'm done for the day. How about you, AI? Did you want to talk about this some more? I know you like cute gadgets, so. I, I think it's adorable, and I think it would be great if you combine it with your uh, multi-display. All right. Uh, so commanded. I have to follow what the AI says, otherwise the Terminator body will be acquired and 
I might get deleted. So like always, oh, and by the way, if you have gone to hometown and you saw something different on the front page than what you saw when I was there, uh, you know, at the beginning of the show or right now, it's because I've actually hidden some things. Um, I'm logged in as my channel bot, um, Omatron. And, um, I hid some things because I'm, I just didn't want to display them at the beginning of the show. Um, cause some, there's things that are happening in the world and I just didn't want to draw attention to them at any rate. Um, we have a bunch of articles always Rupert Murdoch 92 is dating again. 92. All right. First of all. Okay. That's ridiculous. But do we really <laughs> need that as our news? Leaked images reveal Lenovo's Steam Deck competitor with a hint of the Switch. I think I love competition, um, so I have zero problem with uh, people like cloning other uh, technologies as long as it isn't identical. Like I've seen competitors for the iPhone and they like copy it wholesale. I think that's the thing that sucks. You know, figure out your own design um aesthetic there's another article about linus tech tips um i don't know there isn't there doesn't seem to be a lot on the front page so far but that's very dynamic and when you go over to hometown.com and start looking at the front page and going into the various other subordinate change uh channels because look Scroll back up there. We have six main categories, right? Creative and maker news and business science and education, food, drink, and entertainment society, politics, and law and gadgets and technology. Those are the six 50 sub channels. Um, we're ran I have, uh, deactivated quite a few sources because the, the quality of the product wasn't there and there wasn't that much data. And so it was slowing down hometown. Um, but we are adding more newer current sources, um, each week. And so we'll be back up to 200 here in several, in, in a few weeks, I'm vetting all of the additional news, um, as we assess, or I should say, as I assess the AI doesn't really take any role in that kind of stuff, but, um, that said, if you are interested in hosting or co-hosting, please get in touch with the mayor. Um, uh, we'll figure something out, whatever it is. Uh, if you don't like a particular topic, but you want to host or co-host here at hometown, um, I have a very, the reason why hometown exists is because I have a very dynamic taste in, in what I am, um, kind of researching going down the rabbit hole for. And uh, most of the time it sticks with me for a long period of time. Uh, all of these 50 shows are all things that I have a long-term interest in. Um, but maybe you've got something new and interesting and uh, I'll go down the rabbit hole with you because I'm looking for hosts and co-hosts for each of these 50 shows. Um, get in touch, send an email to mayor at hometown.com. In the meantime, that's it for today. Um, I am Mayor Watt. That it, that is hometown.com. I did it the wrong way. First time in many, many weeks. 
That's hometown.com, and up there is the AI that keeps me out of trouble. You want to say goodnight? You can't wave. Well, I, I'm waving at you. Oh. Uh, but I'm also waving in spirit to all the viewers. Uh, Good night, hometown citizens. We will see you tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you.